everyone, what's up? You're listening to the I Want to Know, a show where we answer your burning questions about the Bible and Christian living. I am Mavu, and joined with me today is my incredible co-hosts, Neil and Mamiela. Oh, stop it, stop it, stop it. You're such a charmer. Thank you, Mavu. Well, 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 you guys have been asking some interesting questions. I didn't even know you guys know these questions, but but it's going to be great. We're going to be getting into it, and we've invited some awesome guests. We're not going to go with this alone. Um, we've got Stephen in the house, and we've also got Siri in the house. Great. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for having us. Thank you. So you guys asked us so many questions for this episode that this is going to be part one. And so, Mamiela, what are we talking about today? Today, we're talking about sex. Or as Malaika says, it, let's talk about sex, baby. I think that's a song. You guys are too young for that song. Anyhow, <laughs> yeah, we're talking about sex. And so I'm going to hand it over to Mavu uh, and let's... Uh, Maybe just before Marvel before comes Marvel, in, yes. just because we are talking about sex and we know there are some under-18s listening and just for parents' peace of mind. Um, a lot of this, what we're going to talk about, you know, in the past would have been regarded as adult questions. But the reality is all the questions we have today come from high schoolers. Mm. And these are the conversations that are happening with the teenagers. So uh, we're going to speak as honestly as we can, but as appropriately as we can. So Marvel, won't you... Get us going. All right. So our first question today is, what is sex? Um, what was it created for? And when should it happen? Why are you all mm-hmm? <laughs> it's, very, it's very clear. Okay. Uh, okay. Now, what is sex? Maybe we're not going to get into the biology of it, okay? But just what was sex created for? I think maybe if I can lead in, guys, and then just chip in, eh? So firstly, let me say this. God is not against sex. God is for sex in the right space, in the place that he, if we can use the language, that he made it for. Sex is about intimacy. Sex can be about procreation. Sex can be about pleasure. But God made it for marriage. It's his way of two people coming one, two people coming together. It's an expression of when your lives are shared together, you consummate it physically. And because it's so powerful, because it's so intimate, And because God made it good, the place that can hold it properly is a covenant relationship, which we call marriage. Other relationships, dating, casual sex, all those things, they can't hold the power of true godly sex properly. Don't know if the other married people on the panel want to chip in. Yeah, I agree because um, in those other spaces, casual sex, dating, there isn't God and because he's the one that created it, there is no point in doing something without God. Um, and he's the one that needs to govern it so that it's done properly within the right limits. Not yeah. that there are limits in marriage. But I've got a question. I've got a question. Because I've always wanted to ask this. Like, when you're a married couple, like, I understand that, you know, God created sex and stuff. But, man, if I'm with my wife, I don't necessarily want to be thinking about, you know, He'll song in the background and I mean, if, if it's time to go, it's time to go, you know, like, and for me, I don't know, it, it feels weird. Like I've heard people say, you know, having sex is kind of like worship to the Lord. You know, it's, it's beautiful. Remember Dr. Graham once said, and it was a very awkward example. He said, the angels gather around and they're watching and they're cheering you on. Well, I have to intentionally come. But maybe they just- <laughs> that is weird. Like. I don't know, for me, sometimes I'm like, you know, Lord, 
can you excuse me and my wife for just a few minutes? You know, we'll get back. We just, I, I can't imagine God looking over and watching me do the things. That's just awkward. Well, you see, you see, it's all things anyway. So it's, I think it's just a, probably the, the examples are just a way to try and illustrate that this is not something we do apart from God, that God mm -hmm. kind of closes his eyes. He knows about it and he, he made it for marriage. And so when it's in marriage, it's good and it's part of God's good yeah. creation. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry, you said something earlier that I wanted to talk. I think there is a danger that we over-spiritualize sex. You know, some really, I mean, God enjoys it when we enjoy each other, but sometimes sex is about coming together and enjoying each other. It doesn't always have to have this, you know, you fast and pray and spiritual connotation <laughs> to the situation, at least not in real life that I have experienced. Let me just say, and yeah. you know, I've been married a while, so. No, I agree with you. It's it's never really been like that with me as well. It's not this thing of like, yeah, let's pray now and then just wait on the Lord and wait for this moment. And then rather it's just a natural thing. And it's, and, and it's blessed when you're in union with Christ as, as a married couple. Cause I think that's important. Sex is a, it's a combination of many things. Yeah. It's a relation, it's intimacy, it's relationship. It's, it's not just a physical act. And I think that's one of the big lies that is in society today, that sex is just something you do with your body. Yeah. It's yeah. just physical. It's not. Yeah. There's an emotional component. There's a mind, will, emotions evolved. There is a spiritual connotation mm. to it as well. So it's not just a physical thing, yeah. but it's not just worship also. Yeah. So, so I think maybe it's worship in the sense of that you're doing something in the way, in the space that God intended it and designed it. Yeah. And I, I'm sure there's couples that put on worship music. I, I haven't met them ever, <laughs> but apparently you've heard about them. So, so biblically, um, what is the definition of sex? Because what I'm seeing lately is people are ascribing different meanings to what sex is. So if it's not intercourse, because, I mean, people do things with their hands. Other people do. The relationship lines are so blurred where people are doing things and they're like, well, this definition is not sex. And I was speaking to one of my colleagues um, and they said, listen, I mean, all sex is sex. And I asked them, what do you mean by that? They're like, um, oral, the likes. I was like, well, I mean, if we do that, then man-made descriptions of sex, we can add all sorts of descriptions and call it sex. So biblically, what does God say sex is? And what does he not say sex is? Oh, and you all look at me. Um, <laughs> so, so, so let me say, I was, gonna, I was hoping you were going to say because you know your Bible. Um, so, so I don't think there's a verse that specifically just says this is what sex is. Um, but I think there are, the Bible says more than we think. So there's a couple of words in the Bible, and I'm, I'm not going to get into like the old King James translations of the words, but maybe let me mention one. Uh, it's translated as living in debauchery. In, in NIV, it, in 1 Peter 4, 3, it says you, you should not live in debauchery or debauched life. Now, if we look into that word, what it means is this, is it's got this idea is that you're stirring up something in somebody else mm -hmm. that can only be legitimately satisfied in a different context. Yeah. So now when we apply it to sex is, I stir up a sexual desire in you that can actually only be legitimately satisfied in marriage. Yeah. So uh, hands, the polite term is petting, yeah. okay? Petting, oral sex, um, making out heavily, mm. 
or making out at all, actually. Yeah. You, you're starting something that if you're not mm. married, you can't le legitimately yeah. finish. Now, legitimately, I don't mean here like in the legal way. I mean in the way that God made it best. Okay, because I think, yeah, let me, I'll, I'll go down that line later. It's, the, you know, sometimes we ask the wrong questions around, you know, what's allowed. Mm. As soon as you start asking that question, we're into like this legal space, but actually out of the relational space. Mm. And so I think whenever we stir up something in somebody else, uh, there's other connotations and there's other words that says it's where you substitute the fake for the real. So that's where something like pornography, masturbation and things like that become a problem because you're substituting what is less than and fake for what actually is real and intended for in marriage. So that's kind of a broad range category. I don't know if other guys want to jump in. Yeah, definitely. I agree because one thing does lead to another. It's not just, yeah. you know, today you start with deep throat kissing. No, you can start holding hands. <laughs> Some people, you never know. Uh, tomorrow you are below, you, you know, you've gone now, my top is off. The next day there needs to be the next level. The, you know, it's just like like Neil said, you're staring something in somebody else mm. that you can't complete. Yeah. There is one thing leads to another. It's just the reality of it. And eventually somebody gets frustrated in the relationship. Um not not necessarily the man or the guy, not necessarily the girl, but somebody. One of them would get frustrated because they want more. Mm. And the body is now, you know, you've done something. Now I want to know what happens if you do the same thing here. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, yeah. the body is curious. And, yeah, you know, the fleshly ways just overtake mm. that self-control that... When does it become a sin? As soon as you desire more. So, because, Stephen, you must jump in, but, uh, you know, sometimes people, sometimes holding a hand doesn't cause you to desire more. Yeah. But sometimes it does. And that's where you've got to monitor yourself yes. Yes. Uh, in the space. So uh, there is this always being aware of, you know, what's happening with your, the desires that are being stirred internally. And so the reason I always go to holding the hand is because it's regarded as like nothing. But sometimes you can hold that hand, but in your head you're in the bed. Yeah. And then it's then it's wrong. So I think where's the question of, you know, where's the line or when is it wrong? It's kind of the wrong question because then we're looking at kind of what can I get away with? And I think a key thought in this area is not what can I get away with. I think the actual question is how do I please God? Yeah. Yeah. And and so we it's about negative motivation, positive motivation, which which, you know, Tzira, you could speak much more about than me. But the 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 uh, Sorry, she has a psychology qualification. So, but but it's much better to motivate yourself positively, not what not what can I avoid, but how can I please God yeah. in, in the space is better. I don't know, yeah. Stephen, if you want to. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. There's a, a saying um, by one theologian, basically, if you give the devil an inch, he'll take you a mile. So it's that kind of thing. It's it's. I remember when I first started dating Nicole, the thing for me was how can I serve her? How can I bring her closer to the Lord? Yeah. And it's the same thing with when it, whenever it comes to physical intimacy or anything like that, there's always going to be the emotions that are going to be connected to that. Just like Neil said, that really does become the, the, the point or the fact is this, it's Lord, 
how is this relationship pleasing you? How is, and it's exactly what Neil said. Mm. Um, and it's, it always needs to be in that space because the moment that you stop asking that question, I think you're going into the space of outside of God's will yeah. and more into sin. Yeah, and you will know. Because yeah. you, you've got a relationship with God you're supposed mm. to, you will know. Uh, for me, holding hands is fine, but don't kiss me. Then I'm like, hey, this and you're could starting be something that you need to finish. Yeah, yeah, this could yeah. be anything. For somebody else, they can they can do a pick. Mm. I can't because I, my imagination is like, woo, woo, woo. then I mm. start drawing pictures, then I'm married, then I've got kids. You know, and you want to avoid that. You want to honor the other person. You want to honor God and make sure that you guys are walking righteously before him. Yeah, I think what's also important is to realize that we made up of hormones and yeah. there's all those factors that take place and that's also where you know walking with the holy spirit is so important because it allows you to be self-aware of your the things that that caused you to go past the boundaries yeah. but at the same time for you to also respect that other person and make them aware that they also have a relationship with the holy spirit and it's to communicate to communicate where you are because I know some people you know that were dating and they just never kissed at all because it wasn't a they couldn't you know and some people can't even hold hands or whatever but mm. it really depends on the person I just want to highlight an important thing that Stephen said it's, it's not just your boundaries mm. it's the other person's boundaries too yeah. you know and so it involves again the thing that I always kind of talk to each other and say this is not fine for me today Let's stop now. And then you have to respect the other person, you know. Um, you know I, I think I've used this on the podcast before, so I'll but the, the, the area of sexuality is, uh, and sexual expression is a bit like a fuse to a bomb. Mm. So you burn, today you used, it was yeah. great, the arm illustration, I'm going to remember that one, but, you know, you hold hands and that's exciting and the flame burns and then you stop. Mm. But when you start again, you don't start from scratch, yeah. that fuse mm. is burnt. Because mm. the way we built is there is this erotic, desire in us that wants to go I wonder what that's like and, yeah. and so you burn that fuse every time and eventually it, as you know it's the top off it's this it's that it's so some words you're dry humping and, and things like that you know but you're burning the fuse all the time and eventually the bomb goes off and and, and it's damage hurt and chaos yeah. in the space so so the bomb going off that's what we're trying to avoid so it's not necessarily the fuse is not the problem. It's the bomb going off. Well, I think it's it's a bit, I, I think we must consider the fuse. Mm. So, so what I'd often say to young men is if, if, if you know your fuse gets lit here, set your boundaries here so that you don't even come close. You know? So in any interaction, so for me, whether it's movies, whether it's if you know that this kind of thing lights the fuse, set your boundary 10 steps back. Yeah. Because it's about pleasing God. Yeah. So, for example, if, if I'm with a girl and we're making out, proper making out, the real, the real deal. Not yeah. that you ever do this. Not that I've ever <laughs> do this. <laughs> but if, we, if, if that situation happens and me and I have a conversation of, listen, that's where the fuse, if, if it goes past that point, then listen, it, it's bad. And we set our limit at... Heavy on making up, that's where, that's where we're stopping. That's fine, as long as... Well, I think no, because you're stirring a desire yeah. for more. And also, you don't know, you, you don't have a picture of the future. That could be somebody else's wife. 
and the struggles that a person faces in marriage after they've gone too far with somebody else mm. are not worth doing that mm. to somebody else. Mm. And like I said, it's about honoring the other person and honoring yourself and honoring yeah. your God. Yeah. So in conclusion, to my generation, no Netflix and chill. No Netflix so, and so, chill. So, so you guys don't know this. I had to learn what Netflix and chill means when I came in here. Yeah, I know. Sorry. So I've been scarred forever. The fuse has been burnt. Uh, so yes, no Netflix and chill. Because... You can't trust yourself. Yeah. You yeah. shouldn't trust yourself. Yeah. Um, I, and I do think that's the challenge is sometimes we, we want to play cool and, you know, I can handle it. Mm. Just assume you can't. Yeah. Mm. You know. Uh, uh, yeah, just assume. <laughs> yeah, so it's cool. Okay. Um, we've kind of covered some of the questions that are coming already. The big you know? one I want to ask is this one on soul ties. Because soul ties is a big one. Normally, when when high, when I speak to high schoolers and the questions we got, they normally say, "Hey man, these old people are telling us don't have this because you're gonna get soul ties. What are those things?" And then my one friend I spoke to him is like, uh, "Listen, I slipped. I did it. I thought the whole world was gonna open up and I was gonna fall inside. And listen, I felt great the next day. You know, nothing happened. What are soul ties? Are soul ties in the Bible and?" What do they actually do to us? After, let's say, we've got a person that has done it. Gone. Full nine years. What happens to your heart? Is it an instant thing that happens? Does it happen gradually over time? Like, what are soul ties? I think I just want to speak from practical points of view of just actually engaging, you know, outside of marriage before as a Christian. Mm. You know, um, when I became a Christian, it, it was made very clear to me the, the brokenness that I had because engaging in any form of um, intercourse or anything like that, there's, there is vulnerability and you're sharing a part of yourself mm. that God designed for you to share only in marriage, in a covenant with your spouse. Um, and when you when you walk away from from that person, and then there's just you know there's nothing. You might think, oh, I'm I'm cool, I'm fine. Can't tell you it will probably harden your heart, and you won't even know it. Um, but it will create a cycle of brokenness, whether it's recognizable the day after, or it's recognizable few years down the line. But the other thing is, let's just say that this person, you know, he slept, he felt great the next day. What about the person that he did it with mm. does he know how that person feels because that that's the thing about soul ties and 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 intercourse that especially when it's outside of of god's design because he did create it um it opens a door for damage and hurts and destruction it it will follow so that person on the other end could have felt so vulnerable and then this person was like cool that was great and then i walk away and then this person has this emotional void yeah. and is broken and is hurt and we give a piece of ourselves yeah. every single time that we engage sexually yeah i agree with that because i think the act of sex is opening yourself up completely mm. mind body soul yeah. you let your guard down You've opened yourself up to somebody else. You don't know what kind of hojas they've opened themselves up to before. And now those hojas have come to you. Like mm -hmm. Stephen says, 
you share so much of yourself in that act. Um, the exchange that happens is, you know, it's spiritual, it's physical. Yeah. You can't break that. And it, you know, it doesn't, you can't just walk away from that and mm. be like, oh, well, that's done. 10 years down the line, things become tricky. And that's so important what you said. Even if you think you're just hooking up yeah. and it's yeah. just a physical thing, it's not. That's not what sex is. So I've actually wrestled a little bit with this idea of soul ties because, first of all, it's not a word in the Bible. Yeah. It's not a verse that speaks to us. Where you, where you, if you want a biblical principle or foundations for it, you, you, you need to go to 1 Corinthians 6. Mm. And there Paul's writing and he says, he's writing to the Corinthians who are sinning sexually. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he mm -hmm. says to them, when you unite, and they, their sexual sinners, they were going to the temple prostitutes, mm -hmm. which in their culture was kind of normal whether you were married or not because they regarded it as part of yeah. worship. Um, but what Paul says is that when you unite yourself with a prostitute, you become one with mm -hmm. her. And that's what Tide spoke about. You, your whole life opens because that's what sex does. Mm -hmm. And that becoming one then allows transference, maybe demonic, it allows emotional transference. But now, and now I'm really speaking anecdotally from experiential counseling, mm -hmm. okay, is that sometimes it can be the ones of act you've united yourself, but often it's more the soul ties we find in the longer-term relationships mm -hmm. where the heart was in. Mm -hmm. Now, your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. So the way you think about someone, the way you feel about someone, and the choices you make around them become important. Now, what we've seen from experience is sexually, there's a union that happens for sure and there can be transference. Mm -hmm. But also in the realm of the soul, when we've been together with someone enough, there's an emotional bond that's mm -hmm. built, a heart-to-heart -heart bond. Yeah. And often when relationships end, that tie stays. Mm -hmm. So that's what we actually mean by soul tie. Mm -hmm. That tie stays. And I think sometimes we need to just pray and ask the Lord to break that so that it comes back into a godly space because... Mm -hmm. That emotional link, that emotional investment, that way of thinking, the choices you've made need to be for your spouse, okay? And so you need to bring it back into the godly space. But if you want a verse that says, where does it say soul ties are wrong? 1 Corinthians 6 about the union. Yeah. And then the rest is just experiential. Um, and so can you have a soul tie with your spouse is a question I've been asked. I think you can have godly soul ties and ungodly soul ties. Uh, and so... you. Really what you want is your primary link is to God yeah. and then your spouse, I think, in the spouse. I have a question. Ah, please. Eh? Um, how do you break soul ties? So normally what we would do is just when we pray with someone, we'd ask the Lord to forgive them for anything sinful mm. that was in the relationship. Now, that might be sexual. It might be like an emotional mm. manipulation. It could be just giving over of yourself emotionally beyond where you could have or should have. And then we pray in Jesus' name or in his authority, and we, we ask the Lord to break those ties. Mm. But I think what's also important there is you ask the Lord to bring healing yeah. mm. as well. And then if that's done, then sometimes we check if there was a demonic thing that happened. Mm. So it's a little bit of a house cleaning then. At least that's my experience. Mm. No. I agree. Yeah. I have a question from the floor. Um, some other pastors have spoken about how um, <coughs> having sex even having sex because God sees it, sees it, sees it woo, as a union, um, even when you have sex outside of marriage, you've basically gotten married to that person in the eyes of God. 
So if you have had sex with multiple people, you've been married multiple, or you have multiple people that you're married to. So can you guys, is that true? Is that not true? What is that? I don't know, it's very confusing. And to add on to that, I think this is what makes high schoolers very confused. There are a lot of adults and pastors that have different views and different opinions. Um, and then they rubber stamp it with the Bible. And then the kids are like, where do we find this thing? And then it's confused. And there's a whole lot of, there's a circling of, of opinions of, I'm married to that person and that person and hey, you get a demon from there. And then they're like, what on earth is this? Is this, is this a fantasy book or whatever? So that's a, that's, a, that's a very good question. So I think it's important to read the Bible for yourself, mm. but make sure you know what the words mean. So like when you read about uh, sexual debauchery or covetousness, figure out what they mean, but in the, when Paul wrote them or whoever wrote them. So I, I think I understand why certain pastors, whoever they may be, are, are saying that. But I think f to be married to someone is not just about sex. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think there's a couple of elements that involve that. I'm speaking a little bit from the top of my head, so jump in and out. But there is sexual union. But then there's also the covenant with each other, the interpersonal union, and with God. But there's also an element two other elements. I think there's a societal element where you do this before witnesses. Yeah. And this is where I love the African cultures. It's the families coming together. Yeah. So there's that social element. And then there's also, in most countries today, the legal element. Yeah. Okay. And I think you're not married to someone unless you've done that in some... Yeah. This is why you can't say, let's just get married to each other here under the tree. Because and, 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 there's no social, there's no legal, yeah. and there's no family. So I think there's more to marriage than just the sex act. Yeah. But I think the, where the pastors are probably going, because sex is meant for marriage, you're doing something that's only meant for marriage. Yeah. Um, but I don't think, you know, the scare tactic doesn't work for me. No. Yeah. In this space. So guys, please help I also me. just think that, you know, it's, it's, if it's outside of God's will, I don't think the Lord's like, okay, you married now. I don't think that's how the Lord works. It's rather, no yeah, there's no covenant. There's no union with the Lord. And, and to actually go to all those, the, the covenant with the Lord, covenant with each other, mm. you know, the, the community, the legal aspects, you know, <laughs> sex outside of, of marriage, God isn't like, okay, you've done it. Now you guys are going to get married. Mm. Like you already did something that is meant for marriage, so get married. No, I don't think it works like that. Because mm. um, you already chose to do it outside of his will. Mm. So it's not like I'm blessing this kind of thing. Yeah, and I think what they mean is because the two shall become one. Yeah. And, the, and then you become one. And then you become one. And then you become one. That, I think that's where they're coming from. But like, mm. like Neil and Stephen said, there's so much more to marriage. It's not just the one thing. There's many parts to it. But I think they mean it from that scare tech. But I like your language, becoming one. You're not yeah. married. Yeah. Yeah. There's a distinction there. Okay. I actually heard somewhere, well, a pastor was talking about this, and he said that the only way God sees you married to someone is when you have sex. And then he also said later on that, um, well, yeah, he said this in a book. He said that, um, when you when you have sex with someone, it's like you're making a sacrifice. And then he he made this example where he talked about um, 
how you know in the olden Bible, in the in the olden in the Old Testament, when someone wanted to give a sacrifice to God, they would shed blood. And what happens with um, when you're having sex and uh, your virginity is broken? Blood is shed. What do you have to? Yeah. How? What do you have to say about that? Sorry. What is the first part again? Where the pastor said that? Um, the only way God sees you, like He recognizes no, I think, you. Yeah. So. so so sorry, you know, I always don't want to contradict pastors because there's obviously context to what they say. But I, I don't think, I think God sees you your whole life. Mm. And I think, so marriage is more than sex. Um, you don't just get married to have sex. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Please. No. So marriage is more than sex. There's friendship, there's family, there's economics. Even in the Bible, there's all these elements mm. are involved in marriage, in marriage union. Um, I do think that part of the covenant is the, the breaking of the hymen. And, and the shedding of blood. Mm. Now, if you've had sex and, and you get married and you're not a virgin, I don't think it changes the covenant reality because you've done the other elements of it. Mm. I don't think God, you know, reconnects. I don't think magic happens. Okay. Mm. But I think it, there can be this place of real covenant that happens. Um, so I think that in, the per, in God's original intent and design, there is that element of the, the shedding of blood that's mm. involved. Um, it's really old school, but there's a guy called Wolf, Wolfred Kent or Wolf Kent. He does a long series on this. I'm probably sure everything's on YouTube, but uh, this was like the 90s. Okay, so I don't know, guys, jump in. Yeah, I think uh, if I may just say, um, your whole life is is um, worship to God. Your whole everything. It's not just the sexual elements of of marriage because when you get married then you really realize what marriage is about because i think there's a lot of uh, stigma to what marriage is like mm. it's i think we sometimes fantasize it or romanticize marriage Legal like sex. it's yeah basically yeah. you know but there's so many other things there's there's you've got you start a home together you mm. eventually have children you've got bills you've got there's so many other things and there's the real friendship aspect um in marriage that your spouse literally becomes your best friend. They become the person that you turn to, that you trust. You know, there's you share a level of intimacy that you can't share with anybody else. Um, so, and I'm sure that there is probably more context to what that pastor said, but God sees marriage much more, well, let me just, let me try and word it right. There's a lot more to marriage than just sex. Because also if you're thinking, like Neil said, legal sex, sex can also become an idol in your marriage, which is what we don't really realize. But if you're just thinking, oh, I'm going to get married, I'm going to have sex, and this this is what marriage is, you know, then where's the element, where's the other elements of God in your marriage? Mm -hmm. You know, when it comes to discipline, when it comes to leading a household, all of those, all of those things, decision making, all of those things, because when you become married, you really do become one, not only in one aspect, you become one in all aspects mm -hmm. of your life. And when I make a decision, we make a decision together because my decision will impact my wife and her decision will impact me. Mm -hmm. So we do things together, not just by sex. There was a, there was a question here around purity. What is purity? So, so if... If I if I am a virgin, right? I've never done nothing. I haven't kissed anybody. The virginity is intact. Um, 
Does that mean I'm pure? What is purity? So, <clears throat> it's a very interesting topic actually, but you can be a virgin and you not necessarily pure mm. because purity is not about um, abstinence or it's rather about being, it's, purity is a state of being. It's connected to holiness. Mm. So it's that thing of, you know, we when we say that we in Christ, mm. being in Christ means that we in a state of, it's like a place. If if I can use that kind of language, when I'm in Christ, I'm in a holy space. So then I operate within those parameters of godly behavior. So I could be a virgin, but I could be, um, I could be greedy. I could be violent. Uh, there's so many other things, you know, that that yeah, can, mm-hmm. yeah. You, there's so many other things. So being a virgin doesn't necessarily make you pure. Make you pure. Mm-hmm. They being abstaining from sex does definitely contribute towards purity, mm. but it, that is not the be and and all of purity. I don't know if you guys oh, yeah. want to. Um, I I just had a thought uh, because someone will say yes, I'm a virgin. I haven't kissed uh, what do you call it lip vin- lip. What did you call it, Mamiela? Lip genitive. Lip genitive. But still struggle struggle with pornography, Mm. still struggle with masturbation. Yeah. And yes, I am, nobody has touched me, Mm. but I've got a a real struggle Mm. that leads me away from that concept of purity. Um, Because like Stephen said, purity is, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a whole, whole thing. Yeah. It's not a piece. It's so, so maybe it will help to understand the word holy. Okay, we know God is holy, yeah. and we and we and actually He says we're holy too, or we should be holy. But the, in the original understanding of the word, th- there's this there's this thing about being set apart for a purpose. Mm-hmm. So let's go to the Old Testament and consider the temple or the tabernacle or whatever. Let's say. The priest goes to the shop, he buys two knives. The one knife is to spread butter at home. The other knife is for animal sacrifice. Okay, it's nice, nice. Um, what happens is when that knife becomes set apart from ordinary knives to be used for God, it becomes holy because it's not a temple article. Now, the same principle translates through to our lives. Holy is when I'm set apart, not so much from you know, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't go with girls who do. Uh, chewing tobacco, it's an old saying. Okay, um, It's not so much what you're avoiding, it's what you're set apart to. So I'm holy when my life is set apart to living for God, to please God. And so for me, purity is about living to please God. There's a positive purpose to it. That involves holiness. Yes, I'm set apart. I don't follow the patterns of my culture. I don't care what's on Netflix. I don't care what's popular in songs. I set apart because I'm living towards God. I'm living towards Christ. So for me, purity is much more about living to please God. There is the element, let's go 1 Corinthians 6 again, where it says your body is not your own. It was bought and paid for with a price. But I think that part of it, as I listen to the culture, is this idea that my pleasure I think it's become like an idol in the culture. Because yeah. so it's my pleasure, sexual gratification, what I want to watch, what I want to do, where I want to go. What, mm. and, and I think it's over-focus. Mm. I think the way you live your best life is not 
when you're happy, it's when you're pleasing God. And then you will actually be happy. Yeah. Or truly happy. Let's put it this way. Yeah. But um, younger people speaking now. Well, I think you're also young, Bernard. <laughs> so does that mean virginity is overrated? No, I think it's critical because yeah. it's part of what God's plan for you is. Yeah. You know, uh, My wife and I got married virgins. And it was wonderful yeah. to learn and to explore and to grow together then. Together. Yeah. I think it's just put on a high pedestal. I, I, I don't know. I just think that. Um, and this is... Not just sex, but like, I, I understand like when you break your virginity at the wrong time or when you have sex at the wrong time, then um, you're impure or, but I think purity goes beyond sex. Um, you sin, whether, uh, any kind of sin um, that you do, even if it's not sexual, um, um, whether it's, uh, I don't know, lying, stealing, killing, can make you unpure. So it goes beyond. And it's a very important point you make because if you look at the, let's call them the sin lists in the Bible, you know, whether it's Galatians 5, works of the flesh, whether it's 1 Corinthians 6, all those lists, they, they are sexual sins. Mm. And I think what the church, whoever they are, has done is we tend to stigmatize those more than we look at the other yes. sins. What, are, what they sometimes call the social sins that are in their list, which is the things like you've mentioned, Bob. It's the gossiping, mm. it's the stealing, it's the verbal abuser. Mm. That's yeah. one of the literal translations, I love it. And so any form of sin affects your purity. Yeah. Um, but there is a reality that I think sexual sin has a deeper effect because you've opened more of your life and your person and yourself to the thing mm. in the space. So, I mean, there were quite a few questions here around purity and but maybe the one that I, maybe because of the guys listening is it's, so what does a teen do today in, in what I want to call an overly sexualized society? Do they just switch off all the devices? Because it's almost impossible yeah. Yeah. to watch anything or to read anything or to listen to anything. What? So, so I asked, you guys have to answer. So I think it goes back to that place of pleasing the Lord. So, you know, if you... Let's just say there's a movie on Netflix and you're busy watching and you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Best believe you're going to feel uncomfortable when certain scenes come on. Mm -hmm. And then it's that kind of thing. Well, Lord, should I carry on watching this? You know, because it, it's not to say that now you can't watch anything. You can't listen to anything, you know, because that's, I think that's, that's where we where we over-spiritualizing everything and we just going into to this direction and we just don't want to engage with the world at all. Um, but I think it really comes to a place of your relationship with the Lord. It even goes back to what we're talking about, um, you know, like holy hands can be a trigger mm -hmm. to some couples or kissing or something mm -hmm. like that. It's mm -hmm. to have that relationship with the Lord and discern with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will help you. And if you're feeling uncomfortable, if you're feeling then perhaps that's not a space that you should be engaging in, um, just from a practical point of view. Yeah, I don't really know much about teens, but I do have, I have been a teenager and it was dodgy, dodgy times, dodgy, dodgy, dodgy. And um, like you say, if, if you've got a relationship with God, it's easier. Yeah. You, you get those checks in your spirit and you're like, well, okay, back off. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you hang around certain people and you get that thing yeah. and you're like, okay, thank you, Lord, I will... Five months down the line, you're like, oh, 
that's why. Mm. Because you've got that relationship with God. And I think being a teen in this time is just to really try and press in to to God, to what he yeah. needs from you. Because in the Bible, it says that God created us for his pleasure. So you just need to pursue that thing. Lord, you created me for you. Help me to please you. Mm. Um, yeah, I think if you start there and try and zone in on God, because there's so many things that will take your attention, mm. um, just because that's where we're living. He put us here for a reason. Um, and he's trying to get us to becoming more like him. So if we try and zone in and say, okay, Lord, here I am, use me, make me that which you want me to be, um, then I think it's a good place to start. Yeah, I think for me, honestly, personally, I mean, uh, when, I, when I was a teenager, I mean, the whole relationship, I had a relationship with God and I went to youth and I was in the youth band. And listen, trust you me, the thirst was still there. The, for those listening, thirst is a colloquialism for um, when you are experiencing uh, sexual temptations or arousal, the desire, it was still there. Um, and what, what I realized now, looking back in retrospect, is at the time, with the hormonal changes that were going on, with the puberty going on, rationality was not the, the key thing at the moment. But I think what helped me the most was my circle the circle that I was surrounded in and the conversations that were had. Um, because conversations, vocabulary shape culture. The more you speak about something, the more you'll think about something. The more you think about something, the more you'd want to act it out. And I think one of the things I'm grateful for most to my parents um, is they were always hard up about me going to parties and stuff like that. Even sleepovers, they did not play that game. But youth, they're like, hey, we'll drop you off and we'll pick you up. Well, there's some dodgy kids at youth. <laughs> Not in our youth. Yeah. Not in your youth. <laughs> Not in my youth. I mean, dodgy kids were there. But I was in the vicinity enough. I was in, I was in the vicinity long enough to pick up certain things. Um, I might have not known a lot about the Holy Spirit, but I knew the Holy Spirit existed. I might have not known a lot about the Bible, but I knew some Bible verses to the point where when I, when I started to reason, I was like, I have these things in my bank account that I didn't even know that I was picking up, you know? And, and so I think it's very important to understand that sexual arousal and feelings are normal, standard. The society we're living in is amplifying that standard. It's what you do with it. It's what, and the access you allow. So we can control the access with our phones and stuff like that. But I think having friends to hold you accountable to that is, is very central because in a culture where it's about me, 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 and what's, what I feel is best and what my truth is, um, it's really crazy. And I had a crazy example yesterday. One of our kids, you know what? WhatsApp is a strange thing. Back in my day, we didn't have statuses. Uh, but nowadays we have statuses and one of our kids put up a, he put up a weird status, you know? I was like, okay, you know, uh, how do I address this, you know? And, 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 and so I left it. And so on Instagram, I don't know if you guys, you guys know on Instagram, there's that search button. When you, when you want to search for something, um, and, you know, sometimes there's some dodgy things there. Instagram is a terrible, parents monitor your child's Instagram. Um, and there was a weird picture that just pops up. I'm like, okay, 
ow. And one of my youth kids are liking this. I'm like, so eventually I'm like, uh, hey, chief, you know, what's good, fam? You know, I see you liking some spicy things, you know? Do you need some cool drink with that to wash that, that, that hotness down? And he's like, ah, age, mom's age, it's not like that, you know? It's just a picture. It's just the like, you know? Um, and so they don't see the danger. They don't see the danger of it. Uh, and so I think exposure, but for parents specifically, you, you will not be able to control what they watch. But you can control how they digest it and how they process it. If you process it right, individually, when you're not around, then they, will, they, then they will have the wisdom to be like, this is not good for me and this is why. And a lot of young people are being told sex is not good because it's soul ties and that's it. But if they're told why and the intricacies of what actually happens to your heart over a long period of time, then they can make a conscious decision of, okay, I'm feeling these, these feelings and these emotions, but I know that in the long run, this is what's gonna happen, then I can make a conscious decision now. So I see our producer, the master of our fate, is like, it's <laughs> waving at us. Uh, last thought for me, maybe everyone just a last thought is, and then Marvel can sign us out, but it's just there are alternatives as well. You can find things that are entertaining, good, and godly to watch. Yeah. Maybe they're not so easy to find. Maybe they're not mainstream, but there are yeah. wholesome things to watch yeah. that can keep you going. Yeah. Also, just want to just emphasize that then of what you said, feeling those, um, the, the design, all of those things, it's a normal thing. It's how we were designed. Um, and I, I really also want to emphasize what you said on community and placing it in the right place. Mm. Uh, the scripture says that bad um, company corrupts good character. Mm. And it's very important that we know that because if we want to please God, then we should be finding ourselves in Christian circles where we can actually bear one another's burdens. Mm. That's what the scripture says, that we share with one another, we bear one another's burdens. Because then also if I'm struggling with this crazy design temptation, I can have a community praying for me and mm. keeping me accountable. Yeah. And to also recognize that it's not a shame thing. It's, you know, we shouldn't feel shame because we have these desires. It's a very normal thing, but it's once again, Lord, I want to please you. So I don't want to place this this desire in the wrong place. Mm. But rather I want to place it in your hands under the community that you've given me. Because then we can actually walk out um, victorious. We don't have to feel the, the burden of shame and all of those things. Mm. Yeah, for me, it's just about honoring, honoring each other mm. and honoring God and honoring yourself. Um, you don't know who you will end up with and you need to bear in mind the fact that as you are dating, you're getting to know somebody else, but you also may be bettering them and leading them closer to God. And that's how you honor each other, not to pull each other away from God and his intention for you. Hmm. Yeah, for, for me, uh, Buffett, hey, ladies, gents, don't, don't listen to those lies they tell you at school, you know? Because there's, there's a different culture at school than there's a different culture in the kingdom. And at school, they'll tell you, ah, it's cool, man. It's cool. I mean, this hun, you know, you can do and all those weird slangs you guys use. In the long run, it doesn't help you. It's going to kill you. In case you didn't hear me, I'm going to say it a bit louder. It's going to kill you. The devil doesn't want to play with you. He wants to kill you. And we want to give you life. And you, if you've been doing it, we're going to help you. 
Stay tuned, guys. Stay tuned.